Except I've got a word. I, I really believe I have a word from the Lord for us this morning, and I hope that you'll lean in and receive it. I'll try not to keep you too long, but I really believe it's a word from the Lord. Uh, and one of the reasons I believe that is that Satan's been attacking me all week about bringing it. And so that's a pretty good indicator that, uh, that the Lord is trying to say something specifically. For those of you that are new, we're in a series that we're call, calling simply Honor. We've been subtitling it, Developing a Culture of Honor. I think it would be appropriate to say Restoring a Culture of Honor. But the bottom line of the series is that honor matters. Is it true? Yes. Say it with me. Honor matters. One more time. Honor matters matters. In fact, it probably matters more today than it has at any time in recent history. And I say that because, let's be honest, we're in a culture that's drifted a far distance away from being a culture of honor. So let's make sure we're on the same page before we get into the heart of it. Let me define words for you. The word honor, simply defined, means to value. It means to, to show respect. It means to treat as precious. The word dishonor, on the other hand, means to devalue, to disrespect, to treat as common or ordinary. Honor builds up. Honor believes the best. Honor empowers. Dishonor tears down. Dishonor believes the worst. Dishonor weakens. We're called to be a people of honor. Last weekend, as Pastor Andy told you, we, we made our own humble attempt to honor you that are active duty veterans and your families. If you missed the conversation that we had with General Boykin, I hope that you'll go to our website and pick it up. It's just powerful, powerful story of a man who's lived his life uh, in service of the nation and in service of the King, our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's worth your time. If you missed it, be sure to pick that up today. Uh, and this week, we're honoring our local heroes. We're talking about those folks among us. And let's be specific. We're talking about law enforcement that quite often is being dishonored a great deal these days. We're talking about first responders, EMT and firefighters, and, and many of you that are here that are in those categories. And because of COVID, of course, we're talking about our medical personnel, doctors and nurses and, and orderlies and people that work in our medical facilities. And certainly our educators are on the front lines these days of dealing with both the teachers as well as the staff that work in our, our schools. And so we're here to say thank you. We just say, thank you for who you are. Thank you for what you do. We don't ever want to take for granted what you do. Uh, we want to say thank you. In fact, I'll ask you, as I did the veterans last week, if you'd be so kind, would you do this the honor? If you work in one of those categories, law enforcement, fire, EMTs, education, uh, medical world, if you're on the front lines, if you're an elected official, if you're on the front lines, would you do us the honor of standing right now and your family's with you because they serve right along with you? Would you do us that honor? Would you stand and let us appreciate you and all the people that you represent? Come on. I knew it'd be a big crowd in our house. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Give it up, Bridge. We appreciate you guys. Amen. And true to their character, they didn't want to stand very long because they don't want to be recognized. But, but we love you and we appreciate you so very, very much. It might seem strange to invest a whole Sunday or certainly a whole month of Sundays on this subject of, of honor, but let's just be honest, guys. The reality of our times is that there's a volatile minority who would rather attack the people who serve us than to honor them. I got a right and amen. Just, let me just say it again. There's a vocal, volatile minority that would rather attack the people that serve us than honor them. 
And, and as for us, as followers of Jesus Christ, we're called to take a stand against that kind of culture. Not only because we get served by the people who are serving us and, and they deserve to be honored, but, but the implications to our culture of becoming a culture of dishonor are huge, which is why the Bible is clear. Romans chapter 12, verse 10, honor one another above yourselves. Say with me, honor one another above yourselves. So in the time that I've got with you this morning, before I let you go, <coughs> I want to get real practical on this topic. I want to identify some of the groups, some of the categories of, of what we're terming local heroes uh, and just, just acknowledge them, recognize them. Again, many of you in the room, many of you watching online, I want to recognize you this morning. But more importantly, I want to give you some real practical ways that you can honor them. I want to give you some real practical things that you can do to show them that you, in fact, honor them, not just in your minds, not just in your hearts, but that you can practically show it to us. So let's get into it. First of all, I want to know why, I want to make sure we know why it's so important, and then we'll talk about how we go about doing that, okay? I think there's three reasons why being a culture of honor, a people of honor, are so critical according to Scripture. Reason number one, simply, bottom line, really, is because when we honor these folks, we honor God, what the Bible says, Romans chapter 13, verse 1 and 2, let everyone be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except that which God established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authorities rebelling against what God has instituted, and those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. Did, did you follow that? Paul says the same thing three times in case we didn't get it. Those people who are in authority over us, whatever level of authority, whatever uh, put them in that position of authority as, as far as the job that they do or the task that they've accepted or the service that they perform, the people that are in authority over us, God put them there. And if we don't honor them, what does the Scripture say? Then we are a rebellious people and we heap judgment on our Selves. Now, let's just be honest. I don't always agree with the policies and positions of the people that are in authority over me, and I'm always right about my positions and my policies. <laughs> but that doesn't give me the right to call them booty heads. <laughs> That's one of my grandkids' name for it. I don't know what name you use, but I've watched it shift in my lifetime when we started calling President Clinton Bubba. And everybody thought it was funny. But I said, no, wait a minute, guys, there's a price tag when we start calling names of the people that are in leadership over us. Paul didn't say honor those who are honorable. He said, when you honor the people in the positions, you honor the positions you honor me. But, and in case you're thinking, Pastor Jim, you don't understand the horrible things that these guys are doing. You don't understand the horrible policies that some of them are bringing. I understand that the Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write those words when Nero was feeding Christians to the lions for sport. I understand that I was a missionary to the Philippines for 10 years when there were communist guerrillas in the north and Muslim insurgents in the south and unrest and war all over the country. And I watched a revival take place because a people of honor understood the role of honor as followers of Christ. And I watched a nation change during those 10 years. When we first got to the Philippines, I saw a census <coughs> from 1980 
And there were 68% of the country identified, they weren't practicing in, for the most part, but 68% of the country, uh, I'm sorry, 89% of the country identified as Roman Catholics and then a smattering of other faiths and religions, Protestant Christianity in the midst of it. 10 years later, I saw the census again, 68% of the country identified themselves as Roman Catholics and 11% of the country identified themselves as evangelical Christians. That's millions of people in the midst of war that had come to Christ. In the midst of a President Marcos who literally was raping the nation economically and putting it in Swiss bank accounts. And revival broke out and I watched the new president step up on stage in Rizal Park in Manila and Pat Robertson came and laid hands on her and prayed over her and 2.8 million people gathered in the park to watch it. God didn't say honor them if they're doing honorable things. He just said honor them and watch me work. Hear me guys may not be a popular subject, but I hope you hear me. God is on the throne regardless of who is in the White House. And we got to remember that. we got to remember that. His ways are higher than ours. Our call is to honor. Now, before you write me off, oh, Pastor Jim's gone crazy. There's a second reason why, and that is honor gives us the best chance to bring change. Honor gives us the best chance to bring change. I'm not saying Romans 13 requires that we submit to ungodly laws. We answer to a higher authority than local government. But I am saying that when a law needs to be changed, our best shot at changing is to be a people of honor. So many examples in Scripture, but one of the best ones is from Daniel chapter 3, probably well known to most of us, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Three Hebrews that had been taken in the Babylonian captivity and, and, uh, and they were put into position. King Nebuchadnezzar made a statue of himself in gold and required that everybody bow down and worship him. And, and uh, my shack, your shack, and a, and a bungalow said, I can't do that. Or however you pronounce their names. But here's what they said. They said, oh, king, your majesty, we can't do that. They said, if you've got to throw us in the fiery furnace, then we're just going to have to trust our God with that. In other words, they honored him while they resisted his policies. They disagreed with the law. They couldn't obey it, but they still honored his position while they were communicating theirs. Now, you may know the rest of the story, but in case you don't, Nebuchadnezzar said, well, I got no choice then to throw him in the fire. And the fire was so hot, one of the guards died trying to throw him in the fire. And after a few minutes, they looked into the fire and Nebuchadnezzar didn't see three, he saw four. Verse 25, says, I see four men walking around in the fire and it looks like the fourth one is the son of God. What happened as a result of that? Verse 30, Daniel 3.30, then the kings promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. In other words, they became leaders in their country because they were men of honor. One writer said, when you honor local leaders, there may be temporary pain, but there's permanent promotion. We should be people of honor. 
We should be people of honor because when we honor our local leaders, we honor God, but also because it's our best shot at bringing changes that we know need to be made. The third reason uh, is, is, is personal, deeply personal for all of us, and that is the scriptures say when we honor, we bring peace to our land. Jeremiah was the prophet who was assigned the task of telling the southern kingdom of Judah that if you keep rebelling against God, I'm going to bring judgment on you. He was the one that had to tell them, I'm going to use, God's going to use Babylon to come against you. And when, he, when Babylon conquers you, he's going to take your best and brightest to Babylon. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and Daniel, and others were among that group that were, were taken. And so Jeremiah warned them that it was coming because of their rebellion against God, because they turned their back on God. Verse seven of chapter 29 he tells them how to act while they're in the land of exile this this is how you act while you're in babylon while you're in captivity this is how you act verse seven seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which i've carried you into exile pray to the lord for it because if what's that if it prospers you will prosper too Understand the opposite of being at peace is being stressed out with worry. And an awful lot of the stress that we put on ourselves and our families and one another is because we find ourselves worrying about stuff over which we have no control. And Jesus was pretty clear about worry. Luke chapter 12, verse 25, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to your life since you cannot do this very little thing? Why do you worry about the rest? Worry is like sitting in a rocking chair, going as hard as you can. You're burning a lot of energy, but you ain't getting nowhere. (laughs) Here's my question and I'll move on. We'll get into the practical stuff. Has the dishonorable methods by the volatile, I don't know the word I want to use, the volatile minority of 2020 have the dishonorable methods they're using brought healthy change or chaos? Chaos. Again, it appears to me that a lot of the dishonorable stuff that we say and do comes out of worrying about things over which we have no control. So let's make a shift. Why? Why should we be a people of honor? Because when we do, we honor God. We say, God, I trust you. I don't understand, but I trust you. You're always good. Even when I don't see what's going on, good. I trust you. And, and, and we honor because it's our best shot. Being honorable people is our best shot at bringing changes that are needed. And ultimately, we bring peace to our land, to our families, to our homes, to our nation. So how do we do it? How do we do it? Let's shift gears here. <clears throat> I probably took longer with that than I wanted, than I needed to or wanted to, but, but I want to make sure you got that because I knew this was going to be a tough subject for some of you to lean into. So lean in with me and hear what I'm saying. Three categories of people, if you will that we need to find ways to honor, I'm gonna mention a few. First of all are civic leaders. And by civic leaders, I mean, I mean elected officials. I mean president, Congress, uh, state officials. I'm talking about local officials, the mayor, the county commissioners, the school board, school board members, part of our church family. Um, I'm, I'm talking about first responders, people that are out there uh, serving us. 
How do we go about honoring them? First Peter chapter 2, verse 13 through 15. For the Lord's sake, yield to the people who have authority in this world. Read it again. For the Lord's sake, for whose sake? For the Lord's sake, for whose sake? For the Lord's sake, they're the ones that are blessed too, but for the Lord's sake, yield, submit, cooperate. You put whatever word you want into the yield to the people who have authority in this world. The king who has the highest authority, the leaders who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to praise those who do right. It is God's desire that by doing good, you should stop foolish people for saying stupid things about you. Now, let's be clear. We don't care what stupid people say about us. My faith is not defined by stupid people and what they say about me. Come on, don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. I will not be defined by what stupid people say. But I want to have influence in their lives. I want to be a credible source for information. I want to be a person of hope and honor and integrity so that when they find themselves in crisis, they will come to me. A young man told my son one time, when they were young adults, probably early 20s, he, he had attended our church a few times because his mom made him. And, and then he was talking to my son one day and he said, you know what? I don't believe a word your dad says, but I believe he believes it. And it made my son mad. He, he, he felt like he needed to defend me. And he came and told me that. And he told me he got mad. I said, what are you mad about? He said, well, how dare he disrespect you in that way? I said, do you know what he said? He said that he believed I was a man of integrity. Now, when that young man finds himself in crisis, who do you think he's going to call? Somebody who agrees with everything he says or somebody who he believes is a person of integrity? You see the difference? Um, Jesus said, Matthew 20, whoever wants to be the leader among you must be the servant. Acts chapter 2, the early church got it right, buddy. They, 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 they lived this out. They grew by thousands, tens of thousands, came to faith in Jesus Christ in a very short period of time. And they reached the known world all the way to Caesar's household in a single lifetime. Verse 47 of chapter 2 says that one of the reasons is because they found the favor of the city. Do you know it's one of the reasons that our church is able to do a lot of the things that we do? Pastor Jimmy's in the house. He's probably out on the street at the soup kitchen serving folks right now. But Pastor Jimmy Bryant's our outreach pastor. And one of the reasons we're able to do the stuff we do is not just because Jimmy's good at what he does and not just because many of you rally around him and serve, but because Jimmy understands that the way to leadership is service. So he's been building relationships with local leaders. He's been building relationships with area churches. He's been building rapport and trust with, with, the, with the base, with, uh, with, with the mayor, with, with boards and committees and county leaders. He's been doing that for a very long time. And the result is they open doors to us. I, I call it front row leader versus back row leader. Let me explain that to you and, and you kind of figure out where you are. Uh, forgive me for personal reference, but, but I think it, maybe it'll help to illustrate it. Uh, I have always been a leader. I've just, that's just my nature. God put that gifting in me. Uh, I, I was a leader. Before I got saved, I was not a good leader. I led people into stuff that I regret ever leading them into, and, uh, but I was a leader. I was just the guy who said, come on, guys, this is the way to go, and they all went, okay, let's go. And so that's just been the nature but I realized real early on in grade school that when I didn't like a teacher, I would sit on the back row 
of class and heckle. And I found out I could get the other students to join me. They'd heckle too. And, and I'd get in trouble. <laughs> and I'd get them in trouble. And I'd be in the principal's office. My mom could tell you if she was still with us. Uh, yeah, I spent a lot of time in the principal's office. And she came to see me a lot and get me out. And got a few vacation days from school. And <laughs> One day, sixth grade, Mr. Jim Helmuth came to me, one of my teachers, and he said, you know what, Jim, you're a leader. I'd like for you to consider a different approach. I'd like for you to move to the front row and become my assistant. And wherever you see things need to change, tell me what they are. And so it got to where I was sitting on the front row of Mr. Helmuth's class and and after school, I'd clean the chalkboards. Remember the days of, some of you remember the days of chalkboards before whiteboards? I was the guy that stayed after school and wiped down all the chalkboards. And I'd get there a little bit early to make sure things were straight. And, and I sat on the front row. And before long, I began to realize that the class was following me there too. But I didn't get in trouble nearly as often. <laughs> and I was able to bring change. I have the honor right now of serving uh, at a national level with our denomination, and there are changes that need to happen in our denomination. Guess what I'm trying to do? I'm trying to be a front row leader. I was in meetings with the bishops across the country this past week talking about things that we need to change, and they're listening. Why? Because I'm not a back row heckler. I'm a front row leader. That's what Jimmy Bryant's been doing. He's been a front row leader. So ask yourself, am I a back row heckler or a front row leader? The difference is servant, yielding to those who are in authority. So how do you be a front row leader? First of all, you obey the law. Makes their job so much easier when you, when you obey instead of kick and push. And, uh, and you, you understand laws are only given because they're bad people. There would be no speed limits if everybody drove safely. We wouldn't need any. They give speed limits because we'd kill each other. We wouldn't get home from church today if there weren't speed limits because we'd all want to do 100 or see what our cars would do. That's just So that laws are made because we're not good. We're not inherently good. So obey the laws. And again, if you need to change it, change it. But until they change it, obey them. You make, you make the police officers... Uh, job, the teacher's job, the medical person who's saying, roll up your sleeves. I mean, whoever it is that's operating in authority, the school board making the best decisions they can for our students, you, you make it so much easier for them if you obey the laws and then appropriately change what you feel like needs to change. Second thing is serve them, serve them. Instead of posting yucky stuff on social media, post some encouragement, post some positive stories. Ask them what you can do to lighten their load. I was in Bojangles not too long ago, and, and, uh, and a, one of our county deputies came in line behind me in uniform. And, and while we're waiting in line, I turned to him and said, thank you for your service, sir. And he said, well, well, thank you. And I said, can I buy your lunch? And he said, well, that's nice, but no, uh, I really don't accept those kind of gratuities. And I said, well, I appreciate that. And uh, so just thank you for for your service. I actually saw Sheriff Pierce as one of the elders here at the church. I told him that week, I said, I don't want to tell his name, but I just wanted you to know that, uh, that you got a deputy with integrity out there who wouldn't accept a gratuity. Another time, our 
uh, met a police officer, had a conversation with him. And I remembered, you know, they won't accept gratuities. Is there something I could do to show service? And so I said, you know what? Uh, is there any way that maybe I could pray for you as we go? And, and he teared up, big burly cop in full uniform and weapons on his hips. And he teared up and he said, my son, Jason's in Afghanistan right now. I'd love for you to pray for him. And he let me lay hands on him right there in the public square and pray for Jason. Find ways to serve. You can make a difference in our times. I wonder, I wonder what would happen. Just think out loud with me for just a minute. I wonder what would happen if every time one of our leaders did something or said something we didn't agree with, we would pray instead of post. I just wonder, just, that's just me musing. The second group of people are what I'll call societal leaders. We're talking about public sector versus private sector, but, but now we're talking about your boss at work. We're talking about teachers. We're talking about your coaches, talking about medical personnel, those people that aren't elected to those positions, but they are in those positions of authority and leadership. And there's a couple of things we can do for them. First, you can respect them. I'm old enough. I'm going to show my age for a minute, but I'm old enough to remember the day that respect was automatically given because of the uniform that you saw. Some of you will never remember that, right? It didn't matter what the uniform was. Police officer, nurse, doctor, it didn't matter what you saw uniform, you gave them respect immediately. But somewhere along the way, those attitudes began to change. And before you know it, people are saying, why should I respect them? I put my britches on the same way they do. Right? I mean, I put my britches on the same way you do, right? I throw them up in the air and they kind of float and I jump in and both legs go in at the same time. That's the way you do it, right? It's, Angels lift me up and settle me into them. That's, that's how I do it. That's how you do it. Why should I respect them? You should respect them because they carry responsibilities and duties that you and I don't see. They're doing work long hours before you ever see them and after you ever see them. And their families pay a price for them to do what they do that you and I and our families will never have to pay unless we walk a mile in their shoes. So you respect the position that they're in. And then secondly, you cooperate with them. You respect them and you cooperate them. Here's how Paul put it in Ephesians 6, verse 5 through 7. Servants, respectfully obey your earthly masters. You can fill in that blank, servants and masters, with any word you want. Different translations use different words, but it's, it's, it's under authority uh, and authority. You who are under authority, respect those who have authority. Really what he's talking about. But always with an eye to obeying the real master, the one who has real authority, his name is Jesus Christ. Don't just do what you have to do to get by, but work heartily as Christ's servants, doing what God wants you to do. And work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. You got that. I don't have to unpack that, do I? By the way, that's, that applies to the people who are in authority too. He goes on to say in verse 9, Masters, people in authority, it's the same with you. No abuse, please. No threats. You and your servants are both under the same master in heaven. He makes no distinction between you and them. He doesn't make the distinction, but we should. 
And the best way we can do that is by cooperating, by respecting them and cooperating with them when they give us direction. The third category <coughs> is church leaders. I could talk about family leaders, but we're going to talk about that next week. Then we're going to give a whole Sunday to family leaders uh, next Sunday. But, uh, but to now let's talk a minute about church leaders, okay? Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17. Read it with me. One, two, three, go. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Do we need to read that again? Just kind of read that one more time. Come on, like you actually mean it this time. Okay, let's try. Okay, here we go. Be responsive to your Come on, you can do better than that. Come on. Be responsive. I'm kidding. Listen to their counsel. They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under the strict supervision of God. Contribute to the joy of their leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them? You know what? One of the most painful things we do as leaders, Pastor Andy and I, have talked about this a good bit because he and I have done a lot of pastoral counseling through the years. Pastor Andy is our congregational life pastor, and he does most of the pastoral counseling uh, here these days. But, but we've both been in this situation many times over the years where somebody will come to us for counsel, advice, come to us and ask for how do we work through this family issue, this marital issue, this financial issue. And when we tell them, here's what the Bible says, they get mad at us because it's not the answer that they wanted to hear. And they don't even realize when they leave the room that we're left in a fetal position crying. I've looked at people before and said, you know what, I'm just the messenger. God wrote the book. If you don't want to do what he said, that's your call. But can I ask a favor? When you crash and burn, would you let me help you pick up the pieces? Because you can thumb your nose at God's law if you want to, but you can't beat it. The law of gravity is true. It's true. The word of God is true. You may chafe at it. You may not like it, but it's true. Gravity. You can go to the highest building around here and, and, and look around from the roof and say, I mean, it's really pretty up here. I, I think I'm going to go. I think I'm going to fly today. I don't believe in gravity anymore. Yeah, doesn't apply to me. And you can step off. And, and for a while, you may be doing fine. You may say, you know, the view is nice. The wind feels good on my face. It's, I'm doing good. Somebody may lean out, lean out a window and say, hey, how you doing? So far, so good. That's good. But the sidewalk is coming. It's coming. And I can walk over to you after you hit the sidewalk, assuming you survived the fall, and I say, I'm so sorry that I told you gravity was real. I'm so sorry that you ended up here. I can do that. But at the end of the day, guys, uh, we're trying to help you. So listen, I beg you, listen. Contribute to their joy of leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things harder for them and ultimately for yourself when you don't do what God said. So let me just give you two things and we're going to bring this in. So what can you do practically to honor spiritual leaders in your life? <clears throat> First of all, speak honorably about them. Speak honorably, honorably about them. They are worthy of you speaking honorably. We had a, 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 an occasion a number of years ago now we got a new secretary in the office in a previous church that I was pastoring in. And I decided I'd have some fun and initiate her. So that first Sunday, I introduced her to the crowd and said, you know, Miss Mary's our new receptionist. And so when you call the church office, you're going to hear Mary's voice. In fact, Mary got an interesting call this week. She got a call from the fellow that said, uh, 
I need to talk to the head hog. Miss Mary said, well, I'm sorry, but we, we don't speak about our senior pastor in, in those kind of dishonorable terms. I'm not going to put you through. He said, well, I don't mean no offense. I just want to talk to the head hog. She said, I'm sorry. I, I'm not even going to tell him that you called. I, I'm, just, I'm, not going to, I'm not going to countenance this conversation whatsoever. He said, well, I just wanted to give $10,000 to the building fund. Miss Mary said, I see the big pig coming now. <laughs> Well, it caught, and people in the church started calling me the big pig. I have a file box, you know, where they get 10 reams of paper, one of those boxes, full of pig paraphernalia. I have pig calendars. I have a hard hat with a pig nose on it. I got a, I got a Miss Piggy on a music box. I got, I got pig stuff everywhere. And we had fun with it for a while until I heard the children started calling me Pastor Pig. And I said, okay, enough. We're teaching our children something that we will pay a high price for someday if we don't teach them to honor people who are in positions of authority in their lives. Speak honorably when you speak. I, I don't care what you call me. I mean, I'm called different things in different places at church. Probably the most common is Pastor Jim. I love that. That's my identity. I teach at Regent University. They call me Dr. Jim or Professor Wall. That's fine. That's, that's their culture. That's what they do at home. Kim calls me your highness. I'm this, you know. Actually, it's none of your business what she calls me, you know. <laughs> All I'm saying is we, pray, we pay a high price as a culture when we stop speaking honorably about our spiritual leaders. Second thing you can do is be a producer, not a consumer. The consumer mentality of our world is kind of slipped in to the church. Instead of the church making a difference in the culture, the culture is invading the church. And we've, been, we've become consumers of worship services and consumers of sermons. Well, I really like that sermon. I didn't like that sermon. I like that song. I don't like that song. I like it when she sings. I like it when he sings. I don't like it when that person sings. We've become consumers. I'll keep coming if you make me laugh often enough. We've become consumers. Don't just be a consumer. Be a producer. Serve while you're being served. Love while you're being loved. Celebrate while you're being celebrated. Listen and apply the teachings of God's word to your heart. I love it. Sort of when, when people come to me and say, Pastor Jim, you said something six months ago and it changed my life. And the fear of God washes over me. Oh, Lord Jesus, what did I say? I hope it was right. Just the sense of responsibility. And it's not just me, but anybody who takes this sacred desk in our kids' ministries and our student ministries, wherever we are, our small group leaders, there's, there's a responsibility that we have. So listen, listen to the word of God. Love it when they say, God spoke to me in that moment. My favorite is the lady that came to me after church one Sunday, and she said, Pastor Jim, can I ask you something you said about this in the sermon? I said, well, sure. She said, what did you mean when you said, and she quoted something, and I'm thinking, I didn't say that. that I just, I did not say that. And, uh, 
And so I'm, I don't want to hurt her feelings. And I'm saying, I, you know, what, what part of the message did I say that? She said, right here at the end. You just, you just said it. I said, okay. Oh, Lord, you got to give me something because I didn't say it. And so what I heard coming out of my mouth was, well, what do you think the Lord was saying to you? And so she told me. And it was dead on. And I said, let's pray that. <laughs> he said it, not me. I got credit for it. Thank you, Lord. Listen, encourage Every time I see some of you coming, I smile. I'm serious. I won't call your names. But I see you coming and I smile because I know you're going to give me a word of encouragement. I did say some of you, didn't I? <laughs> Find your niche. Find an area of ministry in the church and serve. And if this isn't the church for you, then find the church for you. Our desire for you to find the body of Christ where you fit is greater than our desire for you to be here. We want you here, but at the end of the day, we want you where God can use you for his glory in the building of his kingdom. But if it's here, roll up your sleeves and get in. You honor us when you do that. And of course, giving as the Lord gives to to you. I see the clock. I'm going to wind this up. I've got to close, but, uh, but just ponder with me for a minute, if you will. Um, there are so many benefits, blessings that accrue to us as individuals, to our families, to our churches, to our nations, when we obey the Word of God, when we become a people of, of honor which causes me to stop and wonder, what blessings have we missed? Because we allowed ourselves to slip into the culture of dishonor. What blessings are available to us if we restore a culture of honor? I realize this is a hard topic, I get it. So let me just close with a word of encouragement. Psalm 27, it's not on the screens. I want you to maybe even close your eyes and let the words speak into your heart. This is David who had a whole lot of ups and downs. He had friends and enemies. He saw mountaintops and he saw valleys. In verse 27, he said, I would have lost heart unless I had believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord, he wrote. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. I would have lost heart if it weren't for the fact that I know God is always good. When I see it and when I don't, God is always good. I would have lost heart, but I do know he's always good. So I will wait on him. I will be a person of honor, a person of courage, and God will strengthen my heart, our hearts because of it. Hear me, guys. God is still on the throne. Trust his heart. Trust his ways. He's still in charge. And for those of you 
who serve us on the front lines, whether you're in the room or you're watching online. I saw a billboard this week. I mentioned I was at a denominational meeting in Dallas, Texas is where we were, and I saw a billboard that I absolutely loved, and it was a picture of you that we're trying to honor today. Police, fire, medical, teachers. And the caption was, not all superheroes wear capes. I can't think of a better way to say it. On your way out today, you're gonna to find at the tables on the way out, a challenge coin. Some of you are familiar with challenge coins, some of you perhaps are not. It's, it's used a lot in the military. Firefighters use it, others perhaps. It's a good heavy brass coin. It just simply says, thank you, local hero. It's got the Romans 12 scripture on the back. We wanna give you one. As a reminder that we love you, we're praying for you, we value you, we thank you for what you do. And when it gets hard, we want you to look at that scripture and remember Psalm 27, 13 through 14. Remember Romans 12, 10. I would have lost heart if I hadn't believed. God is always good, but he is. Pick one of those up. You'd be on your honor. If you work in one of those fields, just feel free to take one of them, take it with you. If there are leftovers next week, and we, we trust that we will because we ordered a bunch to make sure, uh, then next week we're going to ask you to pick up another one and give one away because I know that's your spirit. You don't want one for yourself. You want to give it away. You're welcome to do that, but next week, any that are left over, we'll hope you'll come and pick those up and give them to folks. The banner that you saw out in the parking lot, thank you, local heroes, one of the fire departments has asked if they can put that up at the fire station. Yes. We want you to know how much we love you guys. We're praying for you that God will bless you. Would you join me in that prayer now? Father, thank you. Thank you for honoring us with your son, Jesus Christ, way before we did anything honorable. While we were still running from you, thumbing our noses at you, pretending that we were the captains of our own fate and we didn't need you, you sent your son, Jesus Christ, to pay for our sin and died on the cross not because of his sin, because he didn't have any, because of mine, because of ours. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Jesus makes that gift possible for a holy God to grant mercy to a sinful people. So forgive us our sin, Lord. Forgive us our sin. Just right now, in the quietness of this moment, watching online or right here in the room, would you just say those words? You can whisper them. You can say them silently. Forgive me my sin. Help us to be a people of honor. Give us a fresh start today. We'll do our best to honor you for honoring those that you position around us. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said,